Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside Podcast, where we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein. And we tend to like to do that through the world of sports, of comedy, of books, pastoral life, music, the list goes on and on and on. And today I'm really intrigued. This is crazy how this one even came together. My guest today is a guy named David Ashley Trent. And before he gets a chance to say much, I'm going to tell the story of how he gets on here. So it's a little weird because I'm in Facebook jail right now, and I don't know if, if I'll be out. So he could even get a hold of me right now if this was current. But a couple months ago, he got a hold of me and reached out and told me about, uh, he came across a playlist on Spotify I have about grieving and about loss. And we kind of had a little bit of back and forth. And he, he just said, he's got this song out, kind of was interested in me checking it out. And I did and Googled David Ashley Trent and found out a little bit about his story. And uh, I was hanging out at a local coffee place like I usually do and uh, did a little research. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take this to the next level. And if God's doing something here, let me text David and, and see what God's doing. And uh, we had a great conversation on the phone and decided to put this together to a different conversation that would involve more ears than his and mine. So David, welcome. The time has arrived. Yeah. So, so, so honored to be here. It, it is, it's a really crazy story how, how this is even happening today, but you know, we had, we had already kind of talked about it. This it must be a God thing. And so I'm, I'm couldn't be more excited about it. Just, you know, you know, that even if it's just one other person, a couple other people that need to hear something that you say, or that I say, or that we talk about, man, it's, it's just, you never know what the Lord is doing and you never know how the Lord is moving. And so, you know, he's just given us, he's given both of us stories to tell and, you know, we're just doing that and yeah. just, you know, saying, God, use it however you can. And so I, I think this is one of those times where it's like, it's, it's weird. It's, it's unique, but that makes it even more interesting. I yeah, think. No doubt. Well, you've already blessed me. Cause I see that great eight. No, I'm see, I, I can't even spell anymore. Nine letter word standing uh, sideways on your wall. And it says T E N N E S S E E Tennessee, my home state. I don't get to go there enough. So you've already invested in my life by having me see that great word, which is now the, uh, at the time we're taping here, the number one team in the country, according to polls and pollsters and all the hubbubs, people who talk for ESPN and a whole lot of other places. So thank you for that blessing. But let's yes. move on from that. Well, I could I get sucked way down a, that road. We don't want to go down there. But it's um, a great time to be a volunteer for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I think we got to get the expression right. It's great to be a Tennessee Vol. That's right. There you go. That is a good time to do that. So that's right, David. Uh, just let's jump in here. So <clears throat> we'll get to how you came to Christ first, and then we'll get into the part of the story that really spawns off into music or whatever. So give us like your three to five minutes 
testimony of coming to Jesus? Yeah. So, so man, I, I count myself very fortunate to, um, to say that I was raised in a Christian home. My mom and dad taught Sunday school. My dad was a deacon, is a deacon still in the church. And, um, so, you know, I, from the earliest of ages saw, you know, firsthand what it meant to, to live a life of faith, to live a life that, you know, honored Christ and, you know, not just something that, not just a social, you know, event on the calendar where we went to church, but, but really, you know, I, I saw it, you know, lived out in my home. And even now as a dad, that's so important to me that, that my kids, you know, especially it's actually even more, um, more of a responsibility for me since I'm on stage at my church. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I just grew up seeing Christ lived out. And so it was never for me, you know, growing up six, seven, eight, nine years old, it was never a, a hard sell, you know, Jesus, it, it just made sense. It always made sense to me. And, and so, you know, I accepted Christ at a young age, um, eight years old, and there wasn't, um, you know, obviously when you're, when you're a young kid, uh, you don't have a, uh, <laughs> an amazing Saul on the road to Damascus testimony, sure. but it's more of, you know, as the Lord grows you, you know, you, you know, you have to decide daily, like, okay, this is what's next in my life. Do I want to surrender this to the Lord? And, you know, this is what's next. And, do, and so it was a process, obviously, like it always is, but, but faith was, faith was, was always something that was easy may not be the right word, but it was just, it, it was easy for me to, to, to accept the Lord as my savior, because like I said, I, I saw it lived out. So, and that was kind of my story early growing up. You know, I love that. I think about two previous guests I've had on here, Brand Hansen, who recently did uh, an event for us. And he talked about when you realize we have a problem and the person who can do something about it is Jesus like, why am I not going for him? Like, that's a no-brainer type right. of thing. I also think about, you're probably familiar with this guy, Rhett Walker, who's obviously written yeah. in recent years some great songs or whatever. He he tells yeah. a story of him getting his wife, now wife, pregnant back when they were young. And I asked him, I remember saying, so Rhett, at what point did you walk away from the church? Because clearly, probably something didn't go well, something didn't go right. He goes, it right. never happened. They loved us really well. My dad was the new pastor in town and the church just loved us really well. So there was never a walking away moment. And yeah. it's fun to hear stories where you tend to get these gruesome ones or something terrible happens to someone or whatever. And not that we don't all have our challenges, but it's pretty refreshing to hear someone just say like, yeah, I saw it lived out and it was lived out well. And Jesus was accessible. And again, you didn't say he, it was easy, but it was just like, yeah, this just makes sense. Right. Well, and two, I heard I heard someone say it a couple months ago that we need more people who have that testimony to be the ones who stand up in church and tell their story. Because a lot of times we pull people who have the crazy drug, alcohol, sex stories, you know, we pull them on stage to tell their story because it is so amazing. But if you think about who's in the audience of your local church, more than likely, you know, most of, I don't know, it just depends on where you're at, but there's a lot of people with that story that, that nothing, 
miraculous, so to speak, happened in their story. It's just, you know, we accepted the Lord Jesus and then we, we just went about living the grind of the life that he's called us to live. And there's, you know, there's no, you know, and so we need, I, I think we need more normal, regular Joe people to, to stand up and say, this is my oh. testimony. I, I think that would be encouraging to a lot of people in the local church for sure. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I share mine. So I, I came to Christ about 11 and, you know, good family, family together, my mom and dad, two sisters, never any big, dramatic, crazy things happening. But then when I was like 20, I go to Young Life Camp, hear the gospel in a way I'd never heard it before. And I remember sitting in Glen Spay, New York at Lake Champion, a Young Life Camp, and I'm sitting on this big rock after we just heard the gospel presented very clearly in a one-time message. And I just, it's funny, people this people will think this really dates me because my wife definitely thinks it dates me. I had this moment where I'm thinking about On Golden Pond, which you're probably too young to remember that movie with Henry Fonda, Jane Fonda, Dabney Coleman, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, you're too young. How old are you? Believe it or not, I turned 40 yesterday. Okay, so. even at 40, you're too young. Yeah. But that was a great movie. Some people think I'm cheesy or you know, sentimental or what, because I still love that movie. But there was a scene in there where Dabney Coleman is standing on a boat dock, and he's standing one foot on this boat, one foot on the dock, and, of course, it starts drifting. And he looks at Jane Fonda, and he looks at Catherine Hepburn, and he goes, I've just got to make a decision, right? And he just falls into the water. I mean, it's really all he could do. And I right. did that exact thing. And the mm -hmm. Lord gave me that image of on Golden Pond, and that's how I recommitted my life to Christ. It was not anything overly dramatic, but I just said, Lord, right. I'm playing one foot in, one foot out. I've got to go yeah. for it either way, and I'm going for it with you. And I just I agree with you. I think there's a lot of we need more of that story because everybody's isn't some crazy dramatic. Right. And we like those stories. Those are great stories. Oh, yeah. So talk about music. You've got the look. You've got the background. You've got the super cool I'm not even sure what it is, but Brixton hat on. When did you first like know that like I like music? There's something about music that clicks with me. Yeah, so I grew up playing instruments, mostly, you know, piano and guitar and stuff like that. And I'm not one of these people who, you know, from the time I was 10 years old planned out my life. Like I still don't know what my life plan is. I'm 40. So, but I always loved music. You know, I just I would play guitar really my earliest memories of just really loving music was probably not until high school. You know, I would, I would come home from high school, you know, come home from class or whatever. And, um, I'd go to my room, play guitar from the time I got home till you know, time to go to bed. And like, I wasn't like working towards anything, you know what I mean? Like I was just, I just playing jamming, you know, uh, for my, really for my own <laughs> entertainment. And I tell the, I tell people this a lot. Like i I wish I could go back because I, I spent so many hours playing guitar, but it wasn't like practicing. It was more just like playing, you know, and it's like if I would have used all that time to practice, but I wasn't really trying to, like I said, I was just amusing myself. Um, I've just always loved music. I've loved things like that. So I never had a plan for it. I really never did. And so I went off to college, went to University of Tennessee and didn't do music. Um, I did business and my first job out of college happened to be in Nashville, Tennessee. And so I would, I didn't even know what an open mic was. Mm. Um, you know, I was again, so clueless, but, uh, you know, somebody was like, Hey, you should go 
you know, play a song or two. I'd, I'd started writing songs around the same time as like graduating college, I guess, maybe a little bit before that. But, you know, again, these are just songs I would pin out of like my devotion time with, you know, with the Lord. And no, again, no, no goal for the, the things that I'm doing here. It just, just doing it, you know, and praise the Lord. He, he uh, you know, he kind of puts us on a path because, I didn't, Lord knows I didn't have one for myself, but so, you know, I played an open mic and met some people through that. Like, Hey, you know, you're pretty good. You should think about doing music for a career. I was like, what, you know, and that was the first time anybody had said music as a career or music, you know, for a living. And I was like, Oh, I've never literally never thought about it. And so, so yeah, I just, from that kind of the Lord started putting people in my life, you know, and that's, that's, spiritual markers or whatever you call it, you know, he just started placing people in my life to encourage me to move in that direction or else I would have never moved in that direction. Just some people that would come into my life and mentor me and say, Hey, here's, here's kind of the way that we did it when, you know, we were doing music and, you know, here's, here's kind of a layout, how you can do music and, you know, um, make an income, you know, these, these two worlds, I would have never had any idea how to combine those two worlds. But, but yeah, God just kept putting people in my life to lead me down that path, to, to take something that was just a hobby and saying, Hey, I want you to do more with this. And, you know, I just, a day at a time would say, okay, well, what are we doing today? You know? And, and the Lord kind of honored that. So it sounds like the way you're talking, David, like you've, you've referenced it a few times here that people have really mentored you. It sounds like people have spoken into your life. Think of two or three people in your life. You know, I mentioned to you even before we came on that a previous guest just really spoke into my life today in a, in a powerful, yeah. I mean, it was like drinking a, you know, the fire hose from Niagara Falls. Like they were on what they said made sense. It fit with where I am in life right now. And I really appreciate those words from people when they happen, whether it's a one-off kind of deal, whether it's people investing, but it sounds like people invest in your life has been huge. Pick out two or three people and tell us about what that has looked like to you over the years. Right time, right place. People that invested in you. Yeah, well, I don't want to leave off of this list because I often do is my parents, you know, because a lot of times people have, especially when, you know, you go to your parents, and you're like, I want to do music for a living. They're like, that's a terrible idea. Don't do that. And, you know, I don't want to look past the fact that my mom and dad were very encouraging to me in whatever, whatever goals or aspirations I may have taken to them, you know, they were, uh, they were and are always very um, supportive. And, and that, that I cannot say enough about how important that is for anybody, you know, um, because the last thing you want to be doing is going against your family, whatever you, you know, whatever you feel called to do, it just, it just adds such strife uh, when there doesn't need to be wisdom. Um, and I know that's a lot of people's story. You sure. Know? And so even my mom, I, I would talking about when I first started, she would, <laughs> she like had a, a Microsoft word document with my bio on it and a picture, like a black and white picture. And she would put that and like a CD in a manila envelope and mail it out to like local churches mm. for me. And I mean, I, I developed a lot of relationships through just that random wow. contact, you know, and that, you know, that's my mom doing that for me. So it's, it's just, ins that's insane so thankful for that. But then a guy that really comes to mind when I think about a mentor in the music industry is a guy whose name is Phil, who was, he was in a contemporary Christian band 
you know, back in the day, but where did I meet him? Let me, I'm trying to think, where did I meet him? It must've been at like one of these, you know, Christian conferences, like a songwriter, like GMA conference or something like that. Maybe I don't, I don't know, but anyways, somehow I, I met this guy named Phil and, and he, for whatever reason, he was like, he saw something in me, you know? And, and so he was a, he was a producer and he's like, man, I'd love to take some of your, some of your songs that you've written and just kind of produce them out for you for free. And I was like, that's amazing. Sure. Okay. And so uh, through that, like he just kind of became a mentor. He, he was um, a person who knew how to kind of book yourself at churches and things and camps. And um, um, so he kind of helped me. It was like, Hey, if, you know, if you'll just, you know, sit down and, you know, Google churches in Chicago, Illinois, and, you know, send, here's a, here's a skeleton email that, you know, you can fill in, make your own and send out. And if you send out as, you know, enough of these per week, then you'll get some, you'll get some return on that. And, and so I, I pretty much just kind of, you know, did what he told me to do and it worked. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was, I was a, a full-time independent touring uh, Christian songwriter artist for, you know, 12, 13 years basically just doing what he told me to do. And so it's crazy, you know? And so, so yeah, th- those are two people that really just come to mind. And of course, when I met my wife, you know, I put her in the category too, that she's always been super supportive of everything that I've done and everything that I've tried to do. She's, she's one of these that, you know, she's trying to push me to do more, uh, which is good. I need that in my life, but so, you know, family is so important to me and I'm just so grateful that they have always gotten behind, you know, anything that I've tried to do or wanted to do. And, you know, I, I feel like I've gone farther because of their support sure. probably more than anybody else. You just said a great word there. There's a great, is it an African or Chinese proverb about if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. So based on what you've had in your life, David, do you have a real intentionality and a real um, clear mindset each day, whether it's family, whether it's neighbors, whether it's church world, whether it's music world, where you're like, okay, I'm going to really be wise and use my words well to really encourage and build life into others. Yeah. I mean, totally. Even recently, I've been thinking about uh, within the Christian songwriting community, ways that I can come alongside other Christian songwriters just to, to encourage them and things like that. I've, I've actually got some ideas that are percolating some, some, even some, you know, possible new ventures, I guess you would say that are kind of in the oven right now. Just again, I think one of the greatest roadblocks, I guess you could say for a lot of creatives is discouragement. They just get discouraged, yeah. you know? It's not that they don't have a great story and a great product and a great whatever it is, a song, a book, you name it. They just get discouraged. I mean, they just get discouraged with the lack of audience they feel like they have or or whatever it is. And so, yeah, man, I I really think that if, if I can encourage songwriters or creatives, artists in my community, then, man, uh, you never know, you know, if you can just keep somebody encouraged yeah. to, to, to keep, you know, doing what they have been called to do. That's, 
That's half the battle. Yeah. You talked about us, you know, coming together, talking, body of Christ. Where do we just need to, you know, tell stories, do whatever. I think encouragement is something we way underestimate. I love, I've probably said it on here before. I love the Truett Caffey founder of Chick-fil-A quote about how do you know if someone needs encouragement? Are they breathing? And it's just true. Um, And I, and I, you know, I'm around a decent bit of creatives with what I do with the gathering as we connect men to men and men to God. And I feel like I've, Got a number of guys around me who are in the video, film, marketing, create, tell people stories kind of space. And, you know, I see where with a lot of those folks, they, they get discouraged, they whatever. And I think, you know, on one hand, you think there's this clear-cut, obvious community. And another hand, it's competitive and everybody can't make it in some sense. So it is hard. And that encouragement's important. It's neat yeah. that I can just tell you really make that a priority and it's a big part of who you are. Yeah. I've needed it more than anybody. So I, <laughs> yeah, well, you knowing that and you saying it and then you pass it on only makes yep. everything a whole lot better. So I got, I love the kind of stirring I could see in your heart for you talk, you, you call it like new ventures or whatever, but just trying to bring community and people together. It's, that's a lot to be said of, of that mindset. So let's mm-hmm. get deeper into what, you know, kind of ultimately brought us together. And that's again, I Googled your name. I see this story, news story out there about a tragedy you went through. So unpack that for people to know your your bigger story here. Yeah, so June of 2020, right after, you know, we were still kind of in the middle of the pandemic and everything. So we were already kind of, all of us are kind of struggling a little bit, but I lost a sister. My, my sister passed away. She was in a car accident and she was 32 years old. And, you know, that was a defining moment in my life and our family's life. And you never know what something like that's going to do to you or, you know, your family or how it alters the course of your life, really. And, you know, honestly, for maybe eight, 10, 12 months after the accident, I had pretty much just put down music just because I didn't really, you know, I didn't feel inspired. I did some other things creatively to kind of just get that out of my system, but I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to write or I didn't want to sing. Now I take that back. I've always been a worship pastor at my church. So, you know, I did not stop doing that. I've always done that. But as far as like my, my own original artistry and songs, I kind of put that on the shelf as a matter of fact, I was in the process of releasing an EP, a four or five song EP. I had just released the first song when the accident happened. And I, I just pretty much just, you know, put it back on the shelf. So, yeah, that's that's kind of like you said, that's what brought us together. Because fast forward, after I'd kind of grieved and done all that, I pretty much heard the Lord say, it's time to get back into music and it's time to go faster and harder and stronger than you've ever gone before. And that's where I'm at right now. I mean, I'm, I've been very purposeful and very focused and intentional about my music and um, just, you know, making the most of the time that we have. Cause you know, obviously you never know I mean, this may be our last day. So as a part of, of that, uh, about a year ago, I sat down to write a song with a friend of mine and we didn't know exactly where the song was headed, but it ended up that we, um, 
we wrote my story into the song of losing my sister. And so that song it's called you've been there. It just released um, just a few weeks ago. And, you know, that's been part of the healing process for me. And that's kind of how we got connected because, you know, I was looking to take that song to some playlists that, you know, centered around grief and loss of loved ones and things like that. And so that's how the Lord connected us. And so even with that song, it's been incredible to see, you know, some of the stories already that people have reached out to me and said how special the song was for them just in their healing process as well for whatever they've been going through. Amen. Yeah, it's it's a great song. I mean, I, you know, again, I saw your story when I Googled your name. The story intrigued me. You know, I, I you know listened to the song. You've been there through Spotify. Added it to the playlist, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a great song. It was not like okay, yeah, let's throw this guy a bone. He wrote a song, and yada yada yada. I mean, it was like that's this is a really good song. So um, yeah, it's it's neat to kind of see and hear you talk about it and know that it's not an unfinished story for you. Where that goes. Uh, I think when people go through tough stuff like you have, there's definitely a leaning into the Lord. And and as much as the Lord is kind and gracious and gentle in some of that, there's also a time when he's kind of tough and says, all right, David, let's go. It's time to double down and get right. back in. And do you, do you find a struggle with, you're, you're kind of ramping that game back up. You got your role at the church. I would think some people could cynically look at guys like you. And I think about the guys I know who wear a hat like you do with their own music, church, and just say, well, yeah, this guy gets paid, you know, maybe two different ways just to have fun and go sit around and play his guitar all day. And <laughs> is there any real substance to that? How do you feel when there's potentially naysayers with stuff like that? Because I know, you know, like me being in ministry or you hear with senior pastors that they preach, like, yeah, you work one day a week, you go up and speak for 30 minutes on a Sunday and that's all you do, which is clearly not true. But there's probably some naysayers in the space of music where people are like, yeah, you just get to sit around and hang out with some people and sit around and play guitar all day. And yeah, cool. I want that job. What do you say to that when people maybe would say something like that? <laughs> Besides you want to smack them. Yeah, honestly, I don't even think about people like that very often, but this is something that I've realized. And this, this could be in any industry. You rarely know what goes into a job unless you're in the job. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I don't care if it's, I don't care what the job is, yeah. you know? And so most people that, you know, most naysayers, obviously they have no idea or else they wouldn't be talking. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't even worry about people like that. I, I don't even speak to people like that. So um, it's it's not even a thing that I worry about at all. Well, and see, I think in a music space, you know, what guys like you do is just so important. I mean, I, I talked on the way to tape in here today to our worship pastor, who's kind of in a similar space as you. He He's a full-time, you know, worship pastor, doing some other stuff beyond just that with techie stuff or whatever. But he also has a band he's in on the side, and they don't technically play Christian music or whatever. But... I mean, just putting together a team, who's going up? You know, we have, what, five services on a Sunday. One of the teams does the same thing twice. Another team here, and it's like, yeah, there's a whole lot to that. And you're right. I think, you know, whether it's the person working at the fast food restaurant, whether it's the mail carrier, it doesn't matter who it is. We don't really know what they're doing. And uh, I, I do think this, people, whether it's as, as a worship pastor alone, it's recording music, it's performing music, it's at the local coffee shop, it's at the local bar, how people mm -hmm. impact people's lives. We can't, I mean, if, if we talk about, it's about changing one life with whatever the example is, a missions trip, writing a book, doing an after school youth ministry program, whatever, 
musicians get to do it. I listened to a podcast not long ago with Taya from United, and just thinking about what her, she's got a new project out, what she's done with Hillsong United, just in her own life away from music. I'm like, that yeah. That young woman is impacting hundreds of thousands, I'm guessing. And yeah. is anybody questioning what she does? Probably not. <laughs> so, well, let's move yeah. real quick, David. Let's move to a fun little thing I like to do called the Rapid Five. Five okay. simple, quick-hitting questions. I realize I put one in here I shouldn't have put for at the expense of another one. So you saw these ahead of time, but they're going to be tweaked a little bit. What is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Um, Probably Frosted Flakes. Okay. That doesn't get the answer it should as often as it does, but yeah, what's wrong with Frosted it, Flakes? Any, no. any cereal. I love cereal. Even to this, I mean, to this day, to be honest, I can eat cereal for a meal, breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I would easily go for a bowl of cereal. So wow. the more sugar, the better. There you go. Rich Velotis, who was on here, who's a pastor, and he's written a couple books. He was on here recently, and uh, I had to challenge him because he gave me like nine answers. I said, I only asked you your favorite, not your 10 favorite. So, yeah, people people are pretty passionate about their cereals. Yeah. No, I love cereal. So, David, what's your favorite book you most have or want to gift to other people? Um, I don't know about gifting it to other people. It just depends on who it is, but. I love a book by Stephen Pressfield called The War of Art. It's all about doing the work that you know you need to do to create the art that needs to be created. So it talks about resistance and, you know, just even just wanting to get up in the morning, you know, and just get going. It's just a really, really interesting take on it is, you know, it is work. Sometimes creative invention happens just in the blink of an eye, but a lot of times creatives have to grind it out for years and years and years, and then inspiration strikes, you know, yeah. so it's all about that. Nobody's ever mentioned that book on here, but I've heard that book mentioned several times. I want to say like John Mark Comer, maybe, or or um, I'm trying to think who else I'm thinking of. I've heard that book mentioned several times. Like it's a book, especially like you said, yeah. in the creative world that people have to listen to. So you're, you're intriguing me to want to check that out more. So yeah, it's it's a great, it's a great read. It's an easy read. Well, that's, that's my favorite type right there. You said easy, <laughs> you got me. If it can be read on a beach in less than a week with a couple other books oh, thrown in. For sure. For sure. So the Trent family is heading out on vacation and they're going wherever they would go outside of Tennessee. And they're and this is the, the bigger version of the Trent family. And you figure, okay, we kind of know where we want to stop for lunch. And about 15 minutes before you get there, someone has to go to the bathroom. Well, if you're like me, I'm not stopping again 15 minutes down the road. I'm, we're stopping now. And you see on the exit right. sign, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, and I hope you've been out west, In-N-Out Burger. Have you been to In-N-Out Burger? Yes. Yeah, I've, I saw that on the list. Yeah, I, I know about In-N-Out. Okay, so which of the three would your family go to? Uh, you know, I would probably say McDonald's, and wow. here's why. My wife's probably not an In-N-Out fan, and also Chick-fil-A line would probably be wrapped around the building nine times. And so with two kids under the age of three, McDonald's is probably going to going to be our best shot to get in and out of there very, very quickly. 
You must None go to some places. Like to be in the line very long. You must go to some places I don't go to because our Chick Fil A is around us within probably forty five minutes to an hour away. They move pretty quick, and I've been to some McDonald's that are pretty slow. So yeah, they do move. I, I will say that they do move quick, but yeah, they they're still they're still a little congested. But I do love I do love Chick Fil A. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna give I love them. I love all fast food. Yeah. Also, um, we we're, we're very. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're a very unhealthy family not not too um, choosy yeah i'm a wendy's fan so yeah so a previous guest on here as well uh brian bates who's a part of the nate land podcast with um a couple guy with nate obviously and uh, aaron weber this is a fun question with him because he talks a lot on a podcast or has with nate about mcdonald's and uh he's got a great bit about chick-fil-a he does in his stand-up routine so if you ever get a chance when Brian Bates is around all the many places he could be at in Nashville, Tennessee. You got to go hear him because his Chick-fil-A joke is ridiculously funny. So, David. I'll check it out for sure. What is the movie that every time you were to pull it up, streaming, flipping channels back in the old days, that if you stumbled across this movie, it would pull you in every time? You know, back in the day before all the streaming world, you know, took off, TBS, Turner Broadcasting, they would get a hold of movies and just wear them out. No and I, I appreciated that at, in one sense, but in the other sense, I was like, I don't want to watch this ever again. But Shawshank Redemption used to be on repeat yeah. on TBS, you know, back in the day. And every time it would come on, I would watch it. I don't care if it was almost over or at the beginning. I love that movie. I love the storyline of that movie. I love the actors in that movie. Yep. It's just one of the one of my top five of all time. That is a line it up. There's a whole lot of people with that one. They, they love Shawshank. So, yep. um, and we're in a state where that movie was uh, filmed. So Ohio. Oh, really? Ohio. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it is. So uh, let's end with this. I did not give you this one ahead of time. I forgot to uh, change. Uh, but what, who was your first celebrity crush? Kelly Kapowski. Oh, my goodness. You know what's interesting? So if you follow her... On social media at all, Tiffany Amber Thiessen, she does some really cool stuff on social media. She will share, like, recipes. Um, she's got a really neat-looking family. I forgot what her husband does. I feel like something's sort of related to entertainment. I think she's got two kids. Yeah. <laughs> she's aged very well. My my daughter watches a show that she's on. I think it's like a kid Netflix kind of show, and she's married to this guy. And I would never put her and her husband on that show together. Huh. But she's on no, some comedy on Netflix. That's interesting. No, I don't. I don't follow her now. I don't know what she's doing, but yep. she'll forever be Bayside to me. <laughs> See, I'm probably more tainted than you are. I would say she is uh, Beverly Hills 90210 to me. Yeah. Yeah. Little, See, I, I, I lost interest at that point. Yeah. She's aged pretty well. So, okay. Lastly, let's ask you these. I love this question. So it's one of my favorite questions to ask. What makes you these days, David, you got four responses here. What makes you joyful? What makes you sad? What makes you angry and what makes you laugh? So what's making you joyful these days? My kids, for sure. They're just, my son's almost three. I wish I could freeze time. He's just, man, he's just, he's a mess, but he's just, he's my whole world. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, just talking with my son, just, he's, he's forming sentences pretty well. And just the funniest things he says he's just very insightful already. So yeah, my kids for sure. My, my daughter, she's, she's six months old. So she's, Man. she's, she's 
adorable, but such uh, a great time. Yeah. What makes you sad? Um, sad. Try not to get sad too often. I don't know. You know, in the same breath, I would say like they're growing up. So my kids are growing up so fast. Oh. I mean, it's just time. I want to, I want time to stand still. I really do. I feel like as chaotic as it is, and I was even late to this broadcast because of them, but you know, they're just, my kids are just such yeah. at such a sweet age. And I'm sad that in a year or two, they, they won't be this age anymore, which I'm sure there's great things ahead, but you know, yeah. it's just. Well, at 13, 15, 17 and 19, it does go ridiculously fast. There's no doubt when people tell you that it's true. Yeah. So David, what makes you angry these days? what makes me angry is what makes my wife sad. So, you know, if it's, mm. whether it's people involved or whether yeah. it's situations, you know, That's when answer. I see that she maybe has been mistreated mm. or just, you know, just whatever petty stuff, but also things that, you know, are enough to get under your skin. I can get pretty fired up when, when, when people don't see the, see her value and treat her with the respect that she deserves. I get pretty, pretty fired up about that. If that was on a church, city, state, national level, you're probably winning husband of the year with that response right there. That's a good, <laughs> I love that answer. I've never had anybody answer for something like that. Well, lastly, and as important, what makes you laugh these days? Um, man, just the, the most ridiculous videos on TikTok. Like I'm one of those people that want to see the stupidest thing. Like I'm all about, I can watch the dumbest videos on TikTok for hours. It's just, <laughs> I was crying, laughing in Domino's the other day, waiting on my pizza to cook. I was the only person in there. I was sitting in a booth and I was crying, laughing, looking at my phone. And they probably thought, <laughs> they probably thought I was insane because yeah. I mean, I'm just watching the stupidest videos on TikTok, but I love that. I, I, love I can't that. get enough of it. That's cool. Well, David, how can people find out more about you? Where do they, where do you want people to go to, to find out more about the world of David Ashley Trent? Yeah. The normal usual suspect places. If you're a YouTube person, you know, you can just search David Ashley Trent. I've got a page with some you know videos, music videos, stuff like that behind the scenes. Of course, Spotify, if you're streaming Spotify, Apple music, whatever I'm, I'm at all the places, Instagram, TikTok. Um, Andy Downs always says I'm ridiculously easy to find. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so there you go. I try to stay pretty, pretty current with, with my socials. I took a break. Actually, it's funny. I, I, I just took about a couple week break just from really worrying about it that much, but, um, it's just one of those, one of those parts of the job, but yeah. it's good. I, I enjoy it. There so. you go. Well, David, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'm glad we made this work after an initial conversation and finding the right date and time and lots going on, but we made it happen and uh, look forward to some more dialogue with you down the road. Man, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I, I, I love talking with you. Awesome. Well, have a great day. We'll catch you next See time, ya. friends. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.